Well, good morning. Happy Easter. He is risen. Ronnie, help me out. Come on, you know this. He's risen indeed. Like, it's one of those things where people will say that to me, and I didn't really grow up in that tradition, and so it's like, feels really awkward to say that back. Um, So those of you that didn't know what you were supposed to say, it's totally fine. I wouldn't either, except... Um, I don't know, somewhere I learned it along the way, but glad that you guys are here in this early service and have chosen to worship with us uh, today on this Easter Sunday. Um, If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, if you're a guest with us, thanks so much for being here. My name is Bill, um, and it's a privilege to have you join us on this Easter Sunday morning. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll jump into the message. Heavenly Father, over these next few minutes, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. And may we hear from you and understand more about the life that you've offered and the hope that we have because Jesus rose again from the dead. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. That morning changed everything. I can't imagine what Friday and Saturday were like for the disciples. It was early on Friday morning that they saw their leader, their Lord, arrested. It was at that moment that most of the disciples ran and hid, fearing for their own lives. Peter followed at a distance, thinking that he had disguised himself well enough so that he wouldn't be recognized, but it didn't work. And so there out in the courtyard, while Jesus was being questioned by the religious leaders, Peter cursed the name of Jesus and denied knowing him not once, but three different times. By noon on Friday, Jesus had been sentenced to death in the most horrific way as he was nailed to the cross and hung up so that everyone could see him. From the perspective of the disciples, the world was spinning out of control. It seemed like everything that they knew had changed in just a matter of hours. Where once they had so much security because whatever would come, Jesus could fix it. And now they were wrecked with fear and anxiety. Just a couple of hours, Jesus was gone. And the disciples had no idea what was happening. As they sat together in a house, they were exhausted, both physically and emotionally. But they couldn't sleep as they replayed the events of the last couple of days over and over again in their minds. They hadn't eaten But they weren't hungry because their stomachs churned. Their tears had dried up. And they sat together, just numb. It was a group of women who decided that they couldn't just sit around and do nothing anymore. And so early on that Sunday morning, they made their way to the tomb. And when they were still at a distance, they realized that the stone that had once been covering the tomb had been rolled away, and they began wondering what had happened. They got close to the tomb, realizing that the body was gone. They thought at first it was the work of grave robbers, but then with the appearance of the angel and then the appearance of Jesus himself, they realized that Jesus was alive. He had risen again from the dead, 
And soon all the disciples came to that same conclusion. He'd risen again. And they remembered the words of Jesus and, and, and what he had told them. And, and so they regained their hope, recognizing that Jesus had said that he was going to be killed. And on the third day, he would rise again from the dead. And so everything that Jesus said would happen did. But now they had a job to do. Because they were to take the message of Jesus to the world. Jesus is alive. We have hope. Because of the resurrection, something better is coming. Trust in him. You know, it's amazing to think about all that we have been through over the last year. It's, in some ways, it seems like a long time ago at this point, but we didn't have Easter services in person last year. We were a couple of weeks into the lockdown, and we were experiencing isolation. And as soon as we started to get used to that, remember, then all of a sudden there were the racial protests following the murder of George Floyd. And when those tensions began to calm, we started debating the efficacy of wearing masks. And then there was the election, and the post-election, and the post-post-election, And then January the 6th, and just when we thought that there was beginning to be some sense of something normal coming, remember we had the winter storm, and all of a sudden it reminded us that there is no such thing as normal anymore. No heat, no electricity, no water. All of those things that are at the bottom of the hierarchy of needs were taken away for a few days. We didn't know what life was going to be like. You know, so as we gather together this morning, many of us do like feeling exhausted emotionally. And we've been through more in the last year than some of us have more, had to deal with more problems and issues in the last year than we've had to deal with our entire lives up to this point. Nerves are frayed to the point that you're, if something else happens, you wonder how you might react to that. And studies say that we're not alone in this. In the American study of uh, psychi- psychi- psychiatry, they, they did a study, they do this every year, and what they found was that in 2020, and it just goes through the end of the year, so it doesn't even include the things that we've experienced within the last couple of months, but what they found was that there was a 93% increase in cases of anxiety and depression than there were in 2019. So in other words, nearly twice as many people were going to the doctor to be screened for anxiety and depression than the year before. This study goes back to 2014, so they do the same study every single year, and what they found was that people struggled with suicidal tendencies and ideations more in 2020 than ever in the history of the study. Moderate to to severe symptoms of anxiety and depression were the worst among young people ages 11 to 17. So much of what they talked about was just the isolation and loneliness. And I think part of the issue was that they just felt like things were never going to get better. 
And so I want you to know, if you're struggling with mental health or, or loneliness as a church, we want to do everything that we can to help. And so I want you to know we have biblical counseling services that are available. Uh, we can refer you to a licensed professional counselor if, if that's what you feel like you need. If you just want to connect with people, we have lots of different options for groups um, to plug you into so that you can just be around people again. And, and so I don't want you to leave today uh, without letting us know if there's something that we can do to help. We want to be able to do that. But for our purposes today, over the next few minutes, I want to remind us that that morning changed everything. When the disciples were at their lowest point, that morning changed everything. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. Because of the resurrection, we know that something better is coming. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, I would invite you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians we're going to look this morning at 1 Corinthians verses, chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. It's the words of the Apostle Paul as he talks about the significance of the resurrection. What we know is the book of 1 Corinthians is actually, actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the city of Corinth. And it's a church that's known for having lots of problems. That's the reason that Paul wrote this letter, was to address the problems found in the church. And this, we're going to look at chapter 15, so you can kind of get a sense for the amount of problems that they had in the church. One of the problems that they had was that they just failed to understand the significance of the resurrection. And so that's what Paul wrote all chapter 15 about. So the significance of what happened on that day that changed everything. And what we're going to look at is what is found at the end of that section where he's talking about the significance of the resurrection. And so I'm going to read for us 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50. It'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible in front of you or if you are a version Bible app user, you can navigate your way to our live event and follow along. But here are the words of Paul. He says this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In the midst of the fear and anxiety that we feel, in the midst of the worry and stress that we experience, I want you to know we have hope that something better is coming. Because of the resurrection, we know that something better is coming. 
In that section that we began reading, Paul had been addressing the resurrection and the significance of the resurrection, the hope that we have because of the resurrection. And so he talks about how the perishable must put on the imperishable and the mortal must put on immortality. And really what Paul is getting at is that our experience in this life won't be like this forever. Ultimately, what he's driving at is the reality that our bodies will be changed. There's coming a day when we will experience changes and we won't even have these same bodies anymore. See, the reality is, in spite of the fact that we may not want to admit it or we may work really hard to try not to experience it, the reality is these bodies are decaying. And every ache and pain that we feel, every sickness that we endure reminds us that this is not what we were meant to experience. Life in a fallen world was not what God intended for us. See, God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden, which was a paradise. They experienced a life that was free of worry and stress. There was meaning and purpose. They enjoyed everything that they did. And then when sin entered the picture, it ruined everything. And with sin came death, both spiritually and physically. But we won't have to put up with this existence forever. One day we will be changed. And some of you might be thinking, well, what is that new body going to be like? And I think the truth is we don't know exactly what that's going to be like. Maybe the closest referent that we have to begin to develop some idea of what it might be like is looking at Jesus's body after the resurrection. And what we find is that Jesus was recognizable to the disciples, but yet he did some cool things like walk through walls and maybe we'll be able to do that too. I, I don't, may not know exactly what our new bodies will be like, but I guarantee you this, it will be better than anything that we are experiencing now. It's because of the resurrection. We know something better is coming. So at some point in the future, when Jesus comes back or we are ushered into eternity, we'll receive new bodies. But even more importantly than that, it's about where that body is going to be because we will be able to experience a heavenly existence. You ever thought about what heaven is going to be like? Maybe some of you are even afraid of what heaven is going to be like. I can remember as a teenager thinking this. And you know, as a teenager, you don't think about death. Uh, at, at that point in your life, you're, you're pretty immortal in your own thinking. And, and, and so I can remember thinking as a teenager, man, I hope that Jesus doesn't come back anytime soon because he do, if he does, look at all the things that I'm going to miss. I'll never drive a car, I'll never go to college, I'll never get married. Never have kids, never have all of these different experiences. And the reason that I thought that way is because of the fact that I was afraid of what heaven was going to be like. And I don't think you could have pinned me down to where I would have admitted this, but the reality is that this was true. See, I was afraid that heaven was going to be boring. Most of the time when we think about heaven or the afterlife, we think about floating around on clouds and things like that. I grew up thinking that heaven was going to be an eternal church service. And I know I shouldn't admit this, because I'm a pastor, so 
But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it with you guys. Let's just keep it between us. Don't tell anybody this. But after about an hour, I'm kind of ready to go do something else. That's why our services are about an hour. I've got to get you guys out on time in about an hour. I don't think heaven is going to be like that anymore. See, the, the end of the book of Revelation, we read about a new heaven and a new earth. And when we talk about this heavenly existence so often that we think about, I think the reality is that we will exist in the new earth, the recreated earth. We'll be, we'll be able to experience life the way that it was meant to be, free from worry and stress. And, it, and whatever we can imagine, it is better and beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And we know it's because of the resurrection that we have the hope that something better is coming. But not only that, because of the resurrection, we know that our sins could be forgiven. Look at what Paul says in verse 54. It's towards the end of verse 54 that he quotes the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament where he says this, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, as human beings, we were created to be in a relationship with God. But because of our sin, sin defined as the, the mess that is existing around us, the, the mess that we create in our lives, the dysfunction that exists around us, the dysfunction that we create in our lives, we cannot have a relationship with God. But because of the work of Jesus, our sins can be forgiven and we can find our way back to him again. You know, I would say that with all that we have been through over this last year, we need to hear some good news. Probably need to stick with some good news for a while. Here's the good news. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took a punishment that was meant for us. He died in our place so that in him we could experience life. Christ died for our sins. It's because of his sacrifice that we can be forgiven freely, fully, and forever. And it's the resurrection that proved his victory over sin. And so though we may struggle wandering off, trying to do things on our own, and we still struggle with that, trying to figure out life on our own. The reality is because of the work of Jesus and his death on the cross, we can be forgiven and find our way home again. I want you to watch this video. Since we talked, I was, you know, I was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. 
I've gone so far and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. It's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon, and, and I'd really just like to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but, but if you want to see me, just a small sheet out on the porch. If the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad. No matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, you can be forgiven freely, fully, and forever because of the work of Jesus. And here's the great thing. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to deserve it. You can't earn it. All you have to do is believe and trust in him. See, it's because of the resurrection, we know that our sins could be forgiven. But there is one other thing that I need you to see. Verse 58, Paul says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 
because of the resurrection. For those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus, those of us who've experienced forgiveness because of the resurrection, we have a job to do. And our job now, as a result of the fact that we've received the forgiveness of Jesus, is to take his message to the world, to people who are so desperately in need of something to put their hope in. It's because of Jesus that we know something better is coming. And it's Paul saying this because hope is undergirding everything that he's saying. He says, don't give up hope. Don't think that what you do doesn't matter. Stay focused, recognizing you've got a job to do. Take this message to the world because this message of Jesus is what changes people's lives forever. It's because of the resurrection. We know something better is coming. It's because of the resurrection. We know that our sins could be forgiven and we can experience an eternity that is far better than anything we could ever imagine. It's because of the resurrection and the work of Jesus that we know something better is coming. When we could do nothing, Jesus did everything. And when Jesus did everything, because he did everything, we know we have hope, assurance, that something better is coming. And all we have to do to experience it is believe. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace that in spite of our sin, you sent your one and only son, Jesus, who laid down his life on the cross. But he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose again, proving his victory over sin and death and the grave. And Father, we recognize because you've told us it is a matter of faith, putting our trust in Jesus, that we enter into a life-changing relationship with you that lasts forever. And it's my prayer this morning for every one of us who are here, that we would have made that decision to trust Jesus as our Savior. And so, Father, if there's somebody who hasn't yet taken that step across that line of faith, God, do something in their lives to draw them to you so that they would say yes to Jesus. And know the hope that we have because Jesus has risen again from the dead. That something better is coming. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, help us to remember we should be in light of all that has happened, steadfast, immovable, remembering that we've got a job to do. So Father, give us opportunities to share our faith with those around us so that more and more can come to understand your love for us. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. Thanks for the morning that changed everything. And it's in the name of our Savior Jesus that we pray.